2: podcast sponsored by the good folks at yahoo dfs fantasy sports appropriately enough my guest today is none other than yahoo's own brad evans i uh, saw brad last week at the sin city auction really fun time in vegas
1: brad welcome to the pod Thanks for having me on. I think my liver is still ordering tequilas at uh, one of the mini bars that the Caesars Palace offers. So uh, I do appreciate your participation in the Sin City uh, auction. Uh, that's the rebranding of the Stopa League. It was an absolute blast. And man, did we have an incredible suite. Yes, Hooked it was. We had, a, we had a two-story suite, full kitchen, uh, there was equipment, and there was a bit dated, uh, but it felt like yeah, I was a rain man, yeah, yeah. it was
2: incredible. I walked in and I was like, what the what this is this is way <laughs> too nice for us here.
1: Yahoo's paying well these days." Well, no, they gave us a sweet deal. Uh, It was an offer I could not refuse. Sure. And uh, we were all in there very comfortably, though. It got really fuzzy, a little hazy for me late in that draft because Barron's was pouring ridiculously generous tequilas in my cup throughout the entire, what, three, four hour process.
2: And you put up a big fight, but you said, "Okay, I guess I'll have to comply, (laughs) have a few A generous host of the auction and auctioneer until Peter Schenke came and rescued us a little bit towards the end. Yes. uh, Thank you, Peter. Yes. We have a tradition of having boisterous auctioneers. It's been quite a fun time doing that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And he definitely came in. He was a superhero because at that point, I think people were sick and tired of my shenanigans. Uh, and I had devolved as a human being, uh, you know. Again, <laughs> about three hours into that exercise. Exactly, but you know what? Tequila doesn't. What is your brand of choice of tequila, by the way? Well, it depends what you're looking for. Sure. Uh, you know, bang for the buck, I think the Jura Ultra Añejo uh, is one of the finest tequilas out there. It's about fifty-five to sixty bucks a bottle. I put it in my freezer. It's a clear tequila, but it is an añejo, so it's been aged. Uh, for at least 18 months. And the reason why it's clear is because it's aged in American white oak barrels, not the traditional brown oak barrels that most añejos are aged in. Interesting. So that's a really good one. Casamigos is really good. Um, and I had clase Azul when I was in Cabo a couple of months ago with the wife, and that was a religious experience. Uh, if you can find it, it runs about $100, 120 bucks a bottle. Uh, the bottle in itself is a piece of artwork, uh, but the tequila inside of it is even better than the exterior. It is exquisite. You will never go back to any other tequila again once you have sipped the Clase Azul Reposado.
2: All right, I, I, ha- I have an uneasy relationship with tequila. Stems back from college, but really good tequila done properly, I can handle. So there you go. Well, that's good. That's yeah. a positive. There you go. Let's talk uh, news. Uh, you know, it's very lack. of You know, the news cycle is is what it is this year. This time of year, when you're before training camp. You're, it's a lot of speculative stuff, a lot of contract stuff. And so it's no surprise that the two big items right now are holdout situations, uh, both running backs, Melvin Gordon and Zeke Elliott. I read your take on Melvin Gordon on Yahoo. I, I agree with you that you have to treat it seriously, but at the same time, I don't think this is love bell.
1: No, it most definitely is not Le'Veon Bell because there's no history of franchise tags tied right. to this situation. Right? So Here's the economics of what's going on in uh, Southern California with Melvin Gordon. He's uh, got one year left on his extended rookie deal because they picked up the option at $5.6 million. The chargers have $10 million in cap space this year so they could give him a handsome pay raise this summer and then next year if they want to sign him a long-term deal which is what he's angling for they have 50 million dollars in cap space so the you know the chargers are in a great position i know a lot of people are out there that are you know beating the drum right now probably screaming at their computer screens or their iPhones listening to this podcast saying running backs are replaceable don't pay them but Gordon is a special guy. Uh, he's a you know true blue three down running back who's been highly efficient, RB eight or better in PPR leagues uh, the last three consecutive years. Yeah, he's had his nicks and scrapes. Uh, but as a major downgrade of the one to not, you know, such a throttle of a punch and Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, and not only that, but Phillip rivers, you know, his window is closing in rapidly You know well into his thirties. The time is now like the next couple of seasons, if the chargers have any shot of making a super bowl. They need Melvin Gordon on the field. So I think they're going to get a deal done. Uh, I think it's going to happen within the first week or so of August. And I will say this, Jeff, if it does drag on, I would say every week of August that this extends this holdout. I think Gordon drops a full round in a 12 team league. But if he's sitting there in round two, I think it's just too enticing of an opportunity to pass up.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And, and funny thing is the news broke, I think, Wednesday last week. RotoWire did our Vegas drafts, uh, snake drafts on Tuesday. And I took Gordon at nine overall. I still probably would take him, or I I scratch it. I took him at twelve overall, actually. Believe it or not, I would do it again. Um, I I think I would take him, uh, you know, a couple of times. The thing is, I, 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 for all the reasons you state, there's no animus here. This, there's no like, oh, you guys screwed me on the franchise. You didn't, you know, not only to that with Bell, he got suspended prior to that with the marijuana thing. Um, There's a lot of reasons why he had a lot of hate, you know, built up. For the organization, whereas Gordon does not have that at all.
1: No, there's no angst, and and Gordon himself even came out last week and says, "I want to stay an L.A. Charger. I want to figure this out." So, yeah, as you mentioned, there's no bad blood here. They're going to figure it out. They'll sign on the dotted line. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. And again, if people believe this is Le'Veon Bell, the sequel. Take advantage of the skittish because he will figure this deal out.
2: Absolutely. I wish we did the auction after this item and the Zeke Elliott news came out because I, I think those were, would have provided discounts and I would have happily taken on both. Let's talk Zeke Elliott. He also uh, – it, it's, it's a different than Bell situation too because he's got a powerful incentive to get into camp by August 6th.
1: Yes, he most certainly does. And, you know, this is a a situation that, like, if if you have a stronger argument between the two, if you, you know, you parallel – uh, Gordon situation is Zeke's who has more hand, who has more power. It's clearly Zeke Elliott. You take Elliott away from the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he's the centerpiece of the offensive game plan. The entire offense flows through him. Uh, at least it did last year, whether as a rusher or a receiver. So Dallas will figure this one out as well. Um, you know, they're, they're going to shake hands on a deal. Uh, maybe, you know, it extends in August, similar to Melvin Gordon situation. But the other thing, you know, that applies to both these guys, you know, who cares that they don't see a single snap in the preseason. It's not like you want right. them logging any touches anyway. All you hope for is that they get maybe two weeks worth of practice under their belt so they can get their conditioning up so they're rearing and ready to go you know week one of the regular season to handle the rigors of you know 20 or 25 touches in a game. So I think there's plenty of incentive here for both sides uh, to come to an agreement and much like Gordon's situation, I think this is going to happen sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I really do. I'm not discounting at all on this one here. The funny thing about Zeke, too, is, uh, you know, a lot of people scramble to get Daryl Henderson uh, because the Rams invested a good pick uh, and try to protect Gurley and his knee. You know, we know, like, you know, Austin Eckler is going to get taken in every draft. Justin Jackson, ball carrier, Northwestern, is going to get taken in a lot of drafts. Not all of them. But who, who knows the Cowboys uh, backups there? Who, who's handcuffing Zeke Elliott? I don't see a whole lot of that, at least in early drafts so far.
1: Yeah, I think it was Pollard, uh, I believe, maybe right. the, uh, the direct in line backup, uh, but it gets a long shot. And I am not an advocate of handcuffing at all. I think it's a, a waste of a roster space mm-hmm. uh, where you could find some other upside elsewhere. That's why the LA Rams situation is such a dicey one, because if you were willing to take the plunge, and I would strongly advise anybody. Uh, against doing this um, and investing in Todd Gurley in round two, you're going to have to, you know, pony up to get Daryl Henderson, probably at a minimum round seven, maybe even round six to right. you know, assure yourself his services. And you're going to pass up with the likes of a Rashad penny. We're gonna get into it in a minute, or even a, uh, n- another round later. Or Royce Freeman. You know, both these sophomore running backs, their profiles are on the rise. Both of them could be in one A, one B situations and run heavy offenses behind plus offensive lines. So, would you rather invest in the backup to, you know, I guess shore up the situation, make yourself feel better? And there's no guarantee that Henderson's even gonna be the backup. It could be Malcolm Brown. So, I mean, there's just so much risk there. Uh, I would rather go with uh, a sure thing in a penny or Freeman at that price point, or maybe go with a Tyler Boyd, for example, at receiver, maybe even a Calvin Ridley, if he's available at that price in your draft or an OJ Howard. Uh, I think it's just sheer silliness uh, to be handcuffing, uh, particularly with a high-end running back like Gurley, knowing that you're going to have to pay a premium for his backup.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think you mentioned the key critical factor price point. I have no problem getting a handcuffed as your last guy. If it's if it's your last guy, it's a minimal price, you know, 14th round pick dollar or two in the auction. You know, and granted, I'm biased because I did that a little bit. I got Matt Breida for two bucks. Uh, But at the very end, to back up Tevin Coleman, I think that's a little bit of a different situation when the opportunity cost isn't that high. I like taking other people's handcuffs
1: usually, though. Yeah. And I, I think you, your point is fair with San Francisco. It was such a minimum investment right. that, you know, if you want to ride that out, uh, just to kind of protect yourself, knowing that we had such an early draft and crazy stuff happens in the preseason. Uh, that's totally understandable. I, I'm just not an advocate of, you know, specifically the Ram situation sure. there, or, or you get into like the Seattle situation or the Broncos situation uh, where you have uh, a disparity between the two running backs of like maybe two to three rounds, I would again advise against that. Diversify, diversify the portfolio, sure. and go elsewhere.
2: Yeah, and that's also why I'm going to discount Gurley. You know, he went for 24 in our auction. He was discounted because I don't want to have to chase. You know, that that backup situation. Let alone worry about okay, there's a timeshare. I mean, if the we are not guaranteed that he's going to get his old usage back, we just don't know.
1: No, no, you're not. And there's so many red flags, you know, with uh, the knee management schedule that they have employed, the fact that Sean McVay came out in May and said, hey, we're going to go to more of a two running back set backfield this year. Uh, number three, they you know traded up to acquire Daryl Henderson. They spoke very highly of him. They re-signed Brown to an extension. I mean, there's there's so many smoke signals here. Yeah. That uh, and Gurley himself. I mean, he was interviewed a week ago and he was asked about his knee and he was uh, very unconfident in his response, saying, "Yeah, man, we'll see what happens in training camp. I don't know. I mean, that was the <laughs> I know. Crux of of his sentiment. If that doesn't scream." stay away, then I don't know how else to convince you. So, you know, the people that are investing in Gurley in round two are the ultimate dice rollers, the ultimate risk takers. They are looney tunes. Stay far away from that situation unless you want to grab Henderson again, likely in round seven, of 12 team half point PPR draft.
2: Brad, I only wish you'd be willing to state an opinion every once in a while.
1: (laughs) Well, this guarantees that Gurley, we'll be an MVP again this year. I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, no, but I, I, you know, that's the thing I like though, that, you know, you're willing to kind of go out there and not, you know, cover yourself. Say, well, if he shows, no, you know, I like, I like what, I like the way you approach this. And I happen to agree with your take on this one too. So that works out. Well. We're in lockstep. Hey, you're in Denver. Uh, you yep. get a lot of, we had, a, it was a Denver flavored auction. We had Nate Lundy yep. there. We had Orlando Franklin. We had Ryan Harris. A lot of Denver influences there, uh, but a lot of news. Philip Lindsay, you know, making some progress, although some of that was self described. Uh, there, there's the, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on there. What's your take on the running back situation there?
1: Yeah, John Elway, uh, as we're taping this podcast, is having his uh, you know his preseason introductory press conference right now at a Dove Valley, and he's been asked already about the running back uh, you know tandem, and and you know this is more or less what Vic Fangio has said. That's what a lot of the beat writers that I've talked to have gathered. It is one A and one B, and mm-hmm. we don't know really who the one A is going to be. Everybody assumes it's going to be the incumbent now, and Philip Lindsay coming off that Sterling one thousand yard, ten touchdown campaign. Uh, but he just now is getting his wrist back to close to full strength after undergoing offseason surgery uh, to repair that. Uh, you know the conditioning's up, uh, but in this offense, it is going to be a center of power run scheme. Um, you're going to see some off edge runs. You're going to see some zone runs as well. I think that actually fits the skill set of Royce Freeman a little bit more, who was a metrics darling last year. Yes, you know, he was. The guy that had a high yard tip of contact per attempt. He was top 10 in the league in that category uh, Forced a missed tackle at a prolific rate. Uh, they really worked on his hands. I mean, he was a decent receiver in college at Oregon uh, last year too. The other thing you got to remember is this, you know, Phil Balenzi only saw a stack front, meaning eight or more men in the box, 16% of the time. So a lot of people point to this one advanced stat that's out there. The fact that he, I believe was number two or number three among qualifying running backs. And uh, Average yards gained before initial contact. That has everything to do with scheming, has everything to do with the fact the offensive line was outstanding, and the fact, too, that he faced light fronts. Royce Freeman, conversely, had the second highest stacked front rate of any running back in the league, wow. yet was very successful. He had a higher success rate than Phillip Lindsay by a significant margin. Lindsay, as well, in the yards and for contact per attempt category, missed tackle percentage outside the top 50. Jeff, outside the top 50 in both of those categories among qualifying running wow. backs. So, you know, you peel back all the layers of the onion, and I think Freeman is the better talent, the better back, uh, the better overall skill set, and a better fit for this new offensive scheme under Fangio, who, again, really wants to run the ball early and often and lean on what should be a plus defense.
2: And meanwhile, in the Sin City auction, we have a uh, Denver challenge on this here. Ryan Harris? Went 15 bucks on Lindsay, Nate Lundy, yep. 11 bucks on Royce Freeman.
1: Which is fascinating. And I was too inebriated and I did not have enough <laughs> funds left to bid on Royce Freeman. Otherwise he would have been mine. Um but you know, I, I've been trying to warn Ryan Harrison. Ryan does a great job. He you know, he's a Denver bronco. He protected Peyton Manning in Super Bowl fifty. Uh has got some bling bling as a result of it. Uh, and a guy that does great work on um, altitude radio here locally in the Mile High City. And and Lonnie, of course, my tag team partner, the fantasy football hour, and has his own radio outfit at Mile High Sports, but Again, I, I think, you know, Ryan's been talking a lot of the same people. Nate's been talking a lot of the same people. Uh, I think uh, Ryan has been seduced by the game film and the explosiveness of Lindsey last year when I think the scale is going to tip to the side of Royce. I, I think both these guys could going to be still very valuable. And this is not a knock against Lindsey. I've always felt with his slashing type of skill set. He's better utilized as a receiver out of the backfield. You may see an uptick in receptions, but at a cost in terms of his rushing attempts, which will go to Royce, who I also believe will be the primary goal line back this year.
2: One more Denver note, Emmanuel Sanders easing into training camp, uh, coming off the Achilles injury. Obviously, I don't think we expect him to be full go at the start of the season. You know, I'm kind of curious to see what your take is on him. Because he's going pretty cheaply now in most of the drafts and auctions that I've seen.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, a guy that's uh, right now with an ADP at uh, best balls here the last week uh, in the, you know, in the mid to late 40s among wide receivers. So typically a guy you're getting, I've even seen him go well after pick 100 in some drafts. Uh, They're going to ease him in. I mean, the fact that he's going to avoid pup and training camp of the preseason is a mammoth step in his recovery uh, I've seen some of the uh, film that's been out there, some of the uh, social media posts that he has uh, you know, posted uh, through his various feeds. He's cutting. He's running. He looks uninhibited. So, again, these are all pluses for Emmanuel Sanders. And, look, Deshaun Hamilton, as much as we like him, and Cortland Sutton and his potential, they're only in their second year. Uh, they have no chemistry. Nobody does with Flacco. But I think Sanders will be able to build that up very quickly, assuming that he is going to be all systems go week one. I'm still reluctant to believe that is going to be the case. Uh, they're going to have the kid gloves on Sanders here, but I think those gloves could come off by say week three, week four. So if you get him, you know, in in kind of the middle to later rounds of your fantasy draft as a wide receiver five, even a wide receiver six, I think there is tremendous upside. And, uh, of, uh, you know, at that price point. So I've been grabbing him wherever I can, knowing that eventually uh, I think he's going to be the cream that rises to the top and will be the wide receiver one in Denver.
2: All right. Very good. Hey, before we move on and talk about the sin city auction in full detail, we got to share a promotional note and it's from Brad's outfit Yahoo. It's officially July, July, which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo fantasy has introduced a new fancy football game called best ball that lets you get in on the action. Now, with best ball, you draft your favorite fantasy, fo- your fa- your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough starter sit decisions. Focus on the best part of football the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early and not finish draft? free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. And that's exactly how I use best ball drafts. I, I don't do mock drafts. I do best balls can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season. You can draft up to 50 best ball teams, play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, getting to get, get to drafting with Yahoo fantasy best ball. Join the league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best Also coming soon to the Yahoo fantasy app, Brad, have you uh, used up your 50 yet?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, I'm really excited with our best ball product, actually. Um, You know, kind of introducing that. We're going to have some private leagues coming down the pipe here pretty soon. Uh, Really stoked about that as well. Uh, But, man, I have participated, it seems like, in a gazillion mock drafts and best ball drafts. And you're 100% right. The best way to mock draft is throwing a little skin in the game with a best ball and letting it ride. Uh, Yeah. I think people are more engaged. Uh, I think people are going to draft more, you know, smartly as a result of it. Uh, so you know, I'm a strong advocate for best ball being your form of mock drafting.
2: Yeah, uh, lo- love it, and uh, it's, it's. I'm glad it's a whole, uh, trend that's taken hold in our industry. It's uh, for, definitely for the best. Okay, so we did our stupid early Vegas Sin City auction draft last Monday. Uh, it was a prelude to the RotoWire trip. As it worked out for me, uh, you know, it's basically carrying on the tradition started with the stopa 10k auction love the format love the uh two tight ends super flex and a flex and three wide receivers uh no kickers is a introduction that that's a that's a brand thing for you um and it is a lot of fun 14 teams i always find these auctions be uh, interesting and a little tricky because the time the depth um and and the format it's different it gets me out of the mode of my standard snake draft mentality and i think there's a lot of strategy elements to add
1: yeah, there's no question about that, especially with the superflex. Uh, you know, quality to this draft and three wide receiver starters, along with the two running backs as well. And you know, what's pivotal here is you got to have two starting quarterbacks and really need a third to stash later on that may have a little bit of upside. What I found fascinating and it's all about timing and when players get thrown out and Andy Barron's is the antichrist when it comes <laughs> to throwing out players, you know, he flat out told me before the draft, he goes, your three pet players are going to be my first three throwouts of in this draft. And I'm like, God, you're such a jerk. But you're you so really shy about letting at. people
2: know who your pet players are, Brad. Who? How can we well, find that's out? A
1: is, I wear it on my sleeve and it, it's to my own detriment. So, of course, the first player he threw out was Kyler Murray. Right now, what I found interesting in the twist in all of this is that the player uh, or the person that I was drafting against for Kyler services, not only then Andy Barrett's. Uh, so, you know, Barron's and I were going back and forth ping-ponging and eventually I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let him eat this. It it was too much. He went for $25 in this draft. Uh, granted I have Kyler Murray ranked as my QB five. uh, So I'm very aggressive on him. I think it's going to be a similar output. What he achieves this year to what RG three did in his rookie campaign with Washington a few years back. Uh, but I, I just couldn't go, you know, that deep, that early, uh, in terms of my budgeting. And then the second player, of course, he threw out is another player he and I are both enamored with, and that's David Montgomery. Yes. Now, that one, I would not, I couldn't let the fish off the hook. Uh, there was no way in hell I was going to let him slip. You guys could have bid me up to 30 and I still would have gone all in. Uh, I'm head over heels in love with this kid, uh, you know, what he has done in terms of his skill set behind a shoddy uh, pair of offensive lines the last two years at Iowa state is the only running back of the pro football focus era to go over hundred missed tackles in a single season and he did it not only once but twice he's got the shimmy he's got the shake uh, he made that first defender miss right around 42 percent of his attempts last year and he enters into a great situation where you know I think the Kareem Hunt com- uh, comparisons are fair uh, I think Matt Nagy really wants to lean on one running back. You know, Tariq Cohen is more or less Tyreek Kill light and how he's going to be deployed and utilized, you know, dispersed all over the field. But Montgomery can do everything. And I know there's some draft Knicks out there like, oh, but look at his athletic profile. The guy's a snail. Just watch the film. Just watch the film. He has such a, a unique uh, elusiveness to him. So slippery that I think he's going to slide into the 270 touches that Jordan Howard accumulated last year. So I was willing to go again, all in on him. I got him for twenty five dollars. It's my RB two to pair with Melvin Gordon, who I got at forty four. So I was pretty pleased mm-hmm. with that backfield. And interestingly, uh, uh, interestingly as well, Tyreek Hill. Um, so I, I can't remember who threw the him out. Him. I've been Dalton Del Don. I think he started three dollars. Remember I jumped him to fifteen. Yep. And, and then it was crickets. And I was a bit shocked by that, uh, but it's looking pretty damn good now because we did not have the full audio tape, remember, right. Jeff? That's right. It had been released. It was released the very next day uh, at that time during the draft. So, you know, he could be exonerated. I, I think he is uh, going get to get off, you know, free of any suspension. Uh, that's, you know, wait and see mode right now. But uh, if Tyree Kill even misses a couple of games, $15 an absolute steal. Yeah.
2: And I think because you jumped him to 15 if you had started, you jumped in like seven or eight it would have bit up to 15. Anyhow, I think,
1: but because well, Lucas, you might've saved to go ahead. Sorry to interject, but Lucas Hoover, in, in fact, uh, who was sitting right next to uh, Thornberry and you got, and you as well, all the RotoWire crew kind of uh, congregate in the same area of the couch. Uh, Hoover said uh, 14 was my max. So that was a hell of a bid. Yeah. Just, it, pure luck, pure luck pure. going to 15. But jumping and, is the way to
2: go. I mean, I like yeah. jumping because you get deals that way. You get people get shocked and odd. Sometimes they're not ready. I, I love jumping on. my, my favorite thing to do in auctions is first of all, be involved in every player. Cause you never know when you, something stops and you get that deal, that bargain. It's especially true in baseball. When we get, have so many players we're going through. Right. Uh, but all the time i like being active being involved i think you get a better feel for the auction you get a better feel for what the relative prices are and you get a better idea about you know and you just you're there you're engaged all the time and you jump these guys like that and all of a sudden you you got to get you get your those freezes like that and i you did that very effectively
1: Well, and I want to commend you as well because you had a couple of steals, uh, in particular Evan Ingram. Again in a two tight end league at twelve dollars, same price as Eric Ebron, a dollar less than what Jared Cook went for. That's highway robbery in my opinion. I like Tevin Coleman at nineteen. I think he's going to spearhead this uh, shared backfield in San Francisco, Matt Breda and Jared McKinnon would get injured in a pillow fight. Uh, so the, you know, the odds, of those guys remaining healthy, slim to none. And of course, Coleman very familiar with the system under Kyle Shanahan right. in which he had a top 20 campaign a couple of years back in Atlanta. Uh, and then Kenny Drake at 16. You know, I think, Kenny Drake? Um, I think you're going to have a nice tidy ROI at that price point. The dolphins are down 20, nothing in every game right now. Right And, and Drake is superior than Kalen Bellage. Now oh. I, this was, this was a true moment of my non-existent sobriety. The fact that I threw out Bellage for a dollar, I wanted nothing to do with him <laughs> and I ended up getting him for a dollar. Cause I, I don't like him. I, the guy's a stiff, he's wooden. He doesn't make that first defender miss. I was just going to say, he just got knocked runner. down as soon as you mentioned his name, he oh, fell hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, a soft, gentle breeze coming off the uh, coast, uh, well, yeah, definitely, you know, put him on his fanny. So I think Kenny Drake is a guy that's uh, got a tremendous amount of upside, particularly league that you know scores for half point PPR. He's gonna catch 55, 60, maybe 65 balls, and with a new coaching regime, hopefully they're gonna finally utilize him to his fullest capacity. What we saw a couple of years ago over the second half of the season, in which you know he was essentially an RB one.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I, mentioned, I, wrote, I wrote up a blog just posted about an hour ago up on Rotowire. You guys can check it out. i link to the, the whole draft and I talk about my team because I talk about myself, of course. Uh, but Drake was the only guy I came in targeting. Only guy that I really said I'm going to walk away with him because I I like the price where he's going everywhere else. I think there's a lot of people like oh Drake I can't let him kill me again. Oh the Dolphins suck. I had a spirited argument with my co-host Joe Bartel on that XM today about Drake. Uh, he he's taking the don't. I'm definitely taking. I'm I'm putting odds on the pass line with him. I, I really think that uh, I'm going to get really good value out of that price. Sixteen dollars. I I. I would have paid up to about 2023, I think, on him. Just like you were saying earlier about David Montgomery, you would have gone $5 more. I would have done the same for Drake.
1: Well, it's all about timing, too. I think Drake, from my recollection, was thrown out pretty late. Uh, You know, money was starting to dry up. And that's another great tip for people that have never done an auction before uh, or maybe you're still kind of fairly new to the game at some point you want to be in the top three of money leaders left. And it, I think it's usually the tipping point right around uh, 55 or 60 players that have been thrown out overall. That's when the values start kicking in. And if you can bully a room, and get some of these high quality players that are still available at that juncture, chances are you're going to get them at a discount much cheaper than if they would have been thrown out in the first 25 or 30 players overall. So it's good to be in that position, though it can be a bit of a dangerous game if there is a player left and that player is the last individual left in a tier. Uh, we saw that with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because right. he went for $20. I got Roethlisberger for 15 oh. But I think Garoppolo was thrown out uh, a couple of rounds later and he went for, you know, an Andy Jackson. We were all like, what the hell just happened? We we're a bit shell shocked. And Loves is like, I got him. That's my guy. He's so handsome. He's so creamy. <laughs> he but Loves here's
2: himself. the thing here's the thing. And this is going to be my sore point from the entire auction. I misgaged the quarterback market a little bit there. 20 is where he should have gone. It's just all these fools should have gone for 20. You should have had to pay more for Big Ben. You know, and I misjudged the market. And so the thing is, that's on me. I as You have to gauge the room. But here, here we are. It's a QB flex league, which really means it's a two QB league. Uh, there's 14 teams. That means 28 quarterbacks should be starting every week. You hit bye weeks. All of a sudden, you're left with probably your third string running back at or four string running back as your super flex. No, you want to have the two QBs. So I think that, you know, even like these third tier QBs should be in the $15 to $20 range, Big Ben's a second-tier QB. That was ridiculous you got him for 15. i I'm, I'm, Meanwhile, I'm sitting there with Matthew Stafford at 14, taking, you know, bought before all those other guys went, just hating life. And I may have expressed that 17 times during the auction. <laughs> Alcohol might have been involved too. But any, at any rate, um, I, you know, the thing is, gauging the room is super important. Knowing what the rest of the room is going to do. In previous Stopa Leagues, same format, these quarterbacks were going for around 20 bucks. The top quarterbacks were all over 40. Uh, because that's just the way QB Flex leagues usually work. That didn't happen in this draft.
1: No, every draft's different. And that's the beauty of auction. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the philosophy, the mentality, the strategy, you know, you get, uh, and, and there, there was an interesting collection of individuals is a very eclectic mix of people. Yeah. You know, we mentioned we had the former players, we've got industry folks, we had the super fan as well. I purposely <laughs> picked those people to kind of throw them into the mix to see what would churn out, um, instead of it being a straight industry draft. So I, th- I found it fascinating. I thought it was a wonderful human e- experiment. Uh, and, it, you know, the results uh, I think panned out and, and matched that uh, level of interest. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it was fascinating again, just to see, you know, what the quarterbacks went for, but a lot of it has to do with timing. Uh, a lot of it has to do with shock and awe, uh, I was very pleased getting Josh Allen at thirteen dollars. I mean, he was QB yes. one the the number one quarterback in fantasy over the last what six, seven weeks of the regular season last year. It's got more weapons. Uh, you're not gonna be able to wrestle the uh, mentality out of him of running. Uh, you know, if he can just make even a small stride in accuracy. I think Josh Allen could, you know, be in that uh, top 12 range when it's all said and done, when the dust settles come late December. Absolutely.
2: I, I, I was sick about thinking about that price, too. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of things, things. Things went wrong. I mean, I was happy with Ingram. I was happy with my backs. I probably should not have paid freight for uh, Odell Beckham at 39. Not that I hate the player or the price, just structurally the way my team was. uh, It it prevented me from doing some other stuff. Uh, Before we go into uh, any more details about this auction, i had a couple other points to make. Let's take care of a little bit more business here. Another promotional note from our friends at Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your own your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. SuperDraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA so you can enjoy the best of DFS. All year round. Sign up for SuperDraft today using promo code Rotowire and claim your free five dollars in super cash and a free three dollar entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at SuperDraft.io. SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. Brad, you mentioned uh, in the auction uh, that you know the, there, it does pay to wait often, and I think it does matter in mean, the the mix of your league. Dalton Del Don, your colleague, did the extreme approach on waiting. He didn't buy a player through like the first five or six orbits through the nomination order. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that, and he, I, I like what he did. I like how he put the team he put together. But you can run into a problem with that sometimes, in that there can you can run out of inventory. You mentioned the tiers issue, but there also can be just sometimes you just lose track of where the spending is. And in an expert league, I think sometimes the very first couple guys out of the shoot can be the best deal too. Kind of depends on where you're at. Um, and I, I notice in this one here, like our, our Nate Lundy had a lot of money left at the end. I think he was oh, struggling man. to find some money to uh, he, I got. He liked a lot of the deals he got. But at the same time, I thought like, oh, I bet you wishes he had another thirty dollar player somewhere there.
1: Yeah. And James Cole. I mean, he left uh, eight dollars on the table. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of insane. And those two were sitting next to each other, right? which I found fascinating. This is a classic quintessential Lundy move. By the way, okay. I have been in several auction drafts with him over the years. He's actually in one of my local leagues that I have a bunch of fantasy writers, uh, the ladies from her fantasy football, Brandon, right. Mary and Lee's sisters, uh, they're, uh, they're Denver Uh They live in or you know, Denverites, whatever you want to call us. Uh, so they live around uh, the corner and they always are in this draft. And uh, we have, we've got neighbors, we've got former NFL players. We've got other media folks, Paul Klee, who does tremendous work for the Colorado Gazette covering various, uh, you know, Denver sports. Uh, and Lundy always waits, yeah. always waits. And so I knew exactly he would, you know, make this move. I was shocked that James waited as long as he did. You can get tremendous values, but as we mentioned, it's a dangerous game Yeah, because you, you don't want to get in that position. Yeah. You want to be a bully at some point, but you got to start throwing some cash out and spend that money in those, you know, middle rounds, essentially of nominations. Otherwise you're going to get, you know, left with a ton of money in your pocket or you're going to get price gouged. Yeah. And for Lundy, he really didn't get price gouged. I think he did a little bit of Rashad pity and went for $20 uh, who he's got in his flex. Uh, but he, you know, his second quarterback is Nick Foles at $4. And then he's got Marcus Moriott at six. His first quarterback is Mitchell Trubisky. He got at 12, which I thought was a really good value as well. All those are
2: sick and stupid values. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and the thing is, I like having three quarterbacks in this league. So I, I really like having that. Because then, you, you know, by weeks, you're covered. I feel like you have a lot of trade currency. Of course, my third is Eli, so we'll see how much currency that has. And by week four, he could be out of a job. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, and the thing is, you do have the money left on the table problem. And you, then you have, like, the whipsaw problem, where you got two or three guys that have, have all waited, and they're all competing against the same guys in the middle. So, you know, this. Any strategy works best alone or with like one other person. Otherwise, you kind of run into that same sort of problem. So, kind of interesting to see that. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about was tight ends. We do it, we're at a two tight end league, which should mean there's quite a bit of inflation in this
1: league. Yeah, and there really wasn't. Uh, You know, with your elite tier guys, so, you know, your Travis Kelsey's, your George Kittle's, your Zach Ertz, Kittle went for 27. Uh, Ertz went for 26, and I'm looking up Kelsey. 37. Right now. 37. Holy cannoli! I mean, that's what you're gonna have. You're gonna have to pay out your yang to get a guy like Kelsey in this kind of format. I, I don't adhere to that kind of strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to look at guys that are in the third or fourth tier. I really want advance McDonald, uh, but I re- remember when he got tossed, I just didn't have the funds uh, to bid up for his services. I had Austin Hooper, who apparently is getting all kinds of hype unnecessarily. So, you know, you've entered the coach speak season when <laughs> Austin Hooper right now is placed on a pedestal by Dan Quinn saying, Oh, we're going to take his game in the next level. But you know, I got him for $10. I'm fine with that. Uh, Dallas Godard. I got it for five. I'm all right with that as my second tight end. In. Uh, interestingly, uh, somebody got Gronk. I don't remember this um, again, because I had too many beverages for a buck. And now we're hearing reports huh. um, from pro football talk uh, that there's a 40% chance he could return. And I, I would say the odds are a little bit better than that. I think really, once, yeah, I think once training camp gets going um, and, and Gronk starts seeing, you know, his teammates on the field, he's feeling fine physically. Yeah. He's dropped some LBs, but I think that is going to really pull him. And I would not be surprised. He has a godfather moment and gets sucked back in. So, uh, I don't be shocked if Gronk sees the field at some point this year, I, I, I would say, you know, maybe it's closer to 50, 50, uh, that he will see a, or log a single snap for the new England Patriots sometime this season. So who's got a better chance of playing Gronk or Josh Gordon? Uh, probably Gordon. Uh, I think Gordon's going to get cleared eventually. Um, will I be seduced yet again? Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to answer words about that. I can't quit him, man. He is an old flame that just continues. Like, you know, get a call at one in the morning. Hey, come on over. That's Josh Gordon. I'm, I'm hopping in the car immediately. You know, it's going to happen. A little mouthwash, a little extra deodorant. I'm knocking on the door. So uh, I think Gordon will get cleared, uh, at some point. I think he will return and uh, I've been stashing him everywhere in best balls. Uh, this league, I didn't get him Loza got him for a buck. Uh, I wish I would have remembered him at that point, mm-hmm. uh, but See I also tequila. Yeah. Yes. Correct. <laughs> uh, again, it's, it's, it's a dangerous game when you're playing with the Mexican love juice. Uh, but for Gordon, I, I, he's a guy that could instantly step back in. He's familiar with the system. I could see him getting, you know, 22, 23% of the target share. Uh, if he does return to action, because who else does new England have outside of Julian Edelman? Uh, Nikhil Harry work in progress. He got owned by Stefan Gilmore and granted Gilmore is one of the best cover corners in the league, mm-hmm. uh, in mandatory minicamp uh, back in June. But you know, he's got a hill to climb to be serviceable in this league. I guess Philip Dorsett is there. I, I mean, Gordon's got to step in immediately to a sizable workload. So he's somebody again, worth a stab and the, you know, beer fuzzy hours of your fantasy draft
2: just reminds me of everyone, you know, for three years on out, uh, picking up Calvin Johnson after he retired. And <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I see Barry Sanders Same thing You know We got another lion out there That's going to retire That we're going to Probably not You know No one did that with Perriman But uh, So we'll we'll see Uh, But yeah I I, I did find that interesting And then looking at the tight ends And the prices they went You know It it was I wanted to get one of those Mid-tier guys I got angry Like you mentioned I was pretty happy with that And I was just going to Fill a buck guy afterward From the other one Dangerous, though, to have a one dollar guy as uh, your second tight end because you want to have a zero from the spot. You want to have something from every spot. But, you know, that'll be an area of active fabbing. Somebody will emerge, I think, at tight end. Usually you get some of those second and third year guys that do something. And so uh, we'll see what happens out of that. Um, let's well, look, yeah, there, okay. there are a lot of
1: people out there like Darren Waller, for example, yeah. or Matt LaCosse. If Gronk doesn't come out of retirement in New England, uh, mm-hmm. Josh Oliver in Jacksonville, I think he's got a ton of upside. Yeah, I, I think the tight end position, although we say this every year, it looks deep. And then by week six, it is a desert. Oh, it's a wasteland. It is a desolate yes. landscape. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about some of your guys. Uh, let, let's talk about, you know, Kyler Murray, you referenced it earlier. You were early on the Kyler Murray train. You you to, st- you know, you state your claim nice and early. You said you have a what number five among QBs, yep. uh, which is comfortably ahead of the consensus. Even if you put him at 10, you would have been ahead of the consensus. My, my concern with uh, Murray is not his skills unless his line. That's where I'm, I'm having a problem is his offensive line is what really, really worries me.
1: Yeah. And that's understandable, but I think the error rate system can fix a lot of the ills, a lot of the visible warts that you saw last year. That was the most dysfunctional offense in the league. It lacked extreme creativity. There was nothing there. It was like, Hey, David Johnson, uh, one of the most versatile running backs in the the NFL. Mike McCoy's like, we're going to call a belly play up the gut. There you go. You're going to slam into a line. That's got eight guys stacked in it Mm -hmm. because Josh Rosen is terrible at his job. (laughs) That's true. And, and, you know, people say, well, Rosen's not that bad. You know, Rosen had his moments, uh, but he had the lowest success rate of any quarterback in shotgun last year. Yeah. I mean, so that, that sums it up right there is YPA was one of the worst in the league in those situations as well. So even when he had a little extra time, you know, maybe a split second, he couldn't get the ball out quickly enough or accurately. Uh, to get over that hump of that extreme duress that he was placed under. I I think with the spacing of the air raid, I equated to what Michigan basketball was under John B line. The reason why John B line was so successful for so many years as the university of Michigan coach, of course, now he's uh, manning uh, or heading up the Cleveland Cavaliers is because of the floor spacing. Uh, He was able to create one-on-one matchups and with the speed and the efficiency of his shooters, uh, he was able to maximize those opportunities. It's same concept. Uh, that is applied to the grass now with cliff Kingsbury and, you know, Kingsbury says he wants to run 90 to 95 plays. You know, there's no way that's going to happen. It would be equivalent odds of me, uh, winning a competition against Cliff Kingsbury for the Bachelorette's affections—it's okay? not going to happen. He's a handsome man. Just like everybody's saying,
2: oh, he could. Like David Johnson could get thirty-five touches. You realize that'd be a hundred no. over the record. Yeah, that's not no. happening. Yeah.
1: No, it's not going to happen. Now, could D- uh, David Johnson get twenty to twenty-five? Sure, I think that's doable. Uh, I think realistically, you know, maybe they can run seventy plays per game. I think uh, the Ravens led all NFL teams in that category with seventy last year, so I think that's achievable. The other thing you got to consider here, and this all plays into Kyler Murray, is that the defense is going to be wretched. And, you know, Patrick Peters suspended for the first few games of the regular season. They were already bad on paper, you know, with Peterson. And I I think there's going to be a lot of scoreboard chasing here. Uh, I think it's going to take time for defensive coordinators to adjust as well to this extreme spread scheme where you have four or five wide receivers out. Uh, and I like the personnel around Murray, uh, as well. Larry Fisher also got gas and tank Christian Kirk. I think is going to take a quantum leap in production. I like Andy Isabella, uh, as being that, you know, slippery underneath type Hakeem Butler's got a high ceiling though. He is a work in progress Uh, to go along with some of the other people. And of course, David Johnson, Ricky seals, Jones still there. Uh, And the other thing you got to remember, too, is that, you know, we're in this scoring duelist age, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of some of the great running quarterbacks that you'll ever see with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, uh, to a lesser extent, Mitchell Trubisky. Hell, even Aaron Rodgers will get you 300, you know, rushing yards Mm -hmm. in the ground. So, you know, Kyler Murray is a guy, and people would be like, oh, he's so pint sized. He's going to get hurt. Uh, He played baseball. You know who else played baseball? Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's done a tremendous job at body, body, preservation. And Murray did exactly that at Oklahoma. You know, he was sliding. He was getting himself out of bounds. Yeah. I think he's going to be upright for 16 games. And Jeff, just to throw one other thing out there, I think the best description of Kyler Murray in terms of uh, his skill as a passer, he's Baker Mayfield. He may be more accurate than Baker May. Really? Uh, he was at Oklahoma. He was number one or number two in every single completion percentage category at a collegiate level last year. That's how pinpoint Murray is, and he can make every NFL throw. He is going to be a megastar, and uh, I have a heavy overbet on rush yards on a prop at 475. I think it's going to be 700, 750 rushing yards this year for him.
2: Wow. So let me ask you this uh, You're big on Murray are you big on any of those receiving options you mentioned, right? Do you have a lot of shares of any of the receivers, Is it be it Kirk or Fitz or Isabel, any of those guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, didn't get Christian Kirk and uh, the Sin City showdown. Um, I, I think he went for fifteen dollars somewhere else. Um, but I, I do like Kirk quite a bit. I do have him in, in several best balls. I've been targeting mm-hmm. him in round seven. Unfortunately, the price tag has started to balloon a little bit to round six. I'm in an industry mock right now with CBS, some of the you know biggest names in the business, and I'm contemplating taking. Kirk in round six on the comeback. I'm two picks away. I'm debating either go that or Tevin Coleman or Mark Ingram. So I'll have to wait and see what I do. I'll have to contemplate that one. Uh, but I think Kirk is a guy that could easily be a top thirty asset this year. He could be a ceiling top twenty guy. Andy Isabella, I think, could catch sixty to sixty five balls in his inaugural campaign. I think Fitzgerald could be an eighty to eighty five catch guy. I mean, this this team is gonna fly and again if they do uh, you know scoreboard chase and they're faced with a ton of deficits it's going to be a lot of volume and yeah it's a spread the wealth kind of socialist scheme this air raid but remember it's predicated on quick strikes that's what the air raid's all about quick efficient accurate throws a lot of slants a lot of hooks a lot of screens some flares um, and, and you know, that really fits in the skill set of all these guys that I mentioned. And um, that's why they were drafted and it's like, and why, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and company and then Steve Kahn in that front office, you know, stockpiled guys that fit the scheme. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this offense and I'm going to write probably about 1500 words of hyperbole on this tied to a historical gold mine located in the Sonoran desert on Yahoo sports. Uh, it all makes sense. Trust me. In early August. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, I know the
2: Seahawks preview just went up, and we'll be talking about that in a second. But before we do that, fantasydraft.com would like to bring you an important message about rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play daily fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called rake, can cost daily fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As daily fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players, but change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right, soon you'll be able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners, 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fancy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fancy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FancyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. Uh, we are talking about Brad's, you know, flames and a couple. Of, we may, may bring up a fade or two. Brad, we did. We mentioned David Montgomery earlier. Is there any other running back that you're getting a lot in? Like, if if not in Sin City, but or maybe all in a bunch of your best balls.
1: Well, yeah. I, again, I'm going back to Royce Freeman. I think Royce Freeman's got uh, enormous potential this season. I think he could be a thousand total yard running back uh, with six to eight touchdowns this year. And a guy you're getting like RB 35, RB 36. So they think Rashad Penny's got a great shot of at least 200 to 225 carries. Yeah, you got to remember Seattle ran it like 52.4 percent of the time last year. What's old is new again. Uh, that's an offense Red Grange could love. And they're going to be, you know, one, two punch him and Chris Carson, Chris Carson, not exactly the picture of perfect health. Uh, he already had a knee scope this off season. I mm-hmm. mean, um, he's been injury play going back to his days in high school, uh, missed time at Oklahoma State. you know, missed time last year. Uh, I think Penny could really take that step forward. A guy that's trimmed, uh, you know, a few pounds. Uh, it's got a little bit more pep in his step. And I think learned a lot uh, from his rookie season. So those were a couple of guys that I like, by the way, as an update in this mock draft, I told you I was debating between Mark okay. Ingram, Tevin Coleman, and Christian Kirk in round six. It came back to me. This is a full point PPR. Mind you, uh, Dave Richard made it easy for me because he took Ingram Scott fish went Daryl Henderson. So it came down between Kirk and Coleman for me. And I went Kirk All as right. my wide receiver four. So assuming that would be a flex position. Still a lot of good running backs, including the aforementioned Freeman and Penny uh, left on the board, along with Coleman. I'm hoping one of those will be available to me uh, when it comes back around in uh, round seven. So yeah, those, I mean, those are some consistent guys. I like Damian Williams a ton.
0: Love uh, Damian Williams price
1: is. is year. The problem is it's starting to skyrocket a little bit. Uh, it is interesting. In this mock exercise, he fell around three. Chris Harris got him, and I, I was astonished. I couldn't believe he was still there. And this is like like five, six picks into round three, he was still there. Uh, I have steadily seen Damian Williams go in the middle portion of round two of some drafts, even ahead of you know a Dalvin Cook or a Nick Chubb. Uh, I prefer Chubb and Cook just a little bit more, but I I'm all in on Damian Williams. I'm all in on Marlon Mack. As well in Indianapolis, you know, those are guys, I just like round three, I like Aaron Jones. I think there's some, just some great, there, tremendous yeah, value. So if you go wide receiver, wide receiver to start, and I'm getting pigeonholed in a pick number nine. Overall, it seems like in every other draft I'm in, yeah, I'm going to Adams. And then my choice of Michael Thomas, OBJ, Juju Smith, Schuster, on the comeback, and then round three, I'm satisfied with a Damien Williams, Marlon Mack, or an Aaron Jones as my RB one. So I'm in the
2: upper bound of Damien Williams. I'm taking him early to mid second, uh, but that's because I feel like Andy Reid has done everything except explicitly say he's getting 300 touches. I mean, the guy has said he's going to be our lead back. He's going to be our starter. He's going to be the you know he's going to be the guy, and we know that he how Andy Reid treats his running backs too. That he likes yep. to have a single back, and we. Moreover, we've seen production from Damian Williams last year. When he's had the keys to the car, he's driven quite well.
1: Jeff, I'll just throw this out there too, because hold on to something. If you're not familiar with this stat, if you extrapolate what Damian Williams did over six games last year, including the postseason, he would have finished with sixteen hundred five total yards and twenty six total touchdowns. Is that something 26. you'd be interested in? Yeah. Is make, that Priest Holmes the sequel? <laughs> Are yeah. you kidding me? And it's I know you so can make
2: the fresh legs argument that he had fresh legs and nobody else did, uh, but I, I I think it's just more he has ability and that offense is so potent you just want that there. I, I I'm fully convinced. I'm all aboard on the Damian Williams train. Uh, we and, had a f- enough
1: of this nonsense <laughs> of Carlos Hyde too. Real quick, enough of the nonsense with Hyde. Did you see him last year? He is a baked potato. He's cooked. <laughs> He's done. If there's anybody that's interesting in this backfield, other than Damian Williams and maybe Darwin Thompson, that we have to see what he can do in the preseason.
2: Yeah. I got, uh, so the RotoWire wire Vegas league, we did the day after the auction, uh 14 team league. I was stuck in the 12 spot. Cause that's where, I mean, either 12 or nine this year so far as well. I took him at 2.3. I, I, Without any regrets, 17 overall, I, I was happy to take him. Our, our, our draft was, it's standard scoring, so running backs were crazy early. It was 10 out of the first 11 were running backs. So I went Devontae Adams, Damian Williams, I'm ha- happy, very happy. I can see the case for Chubb over him. I can see the case for Cook. But those are two guys I also want. And I also want Aaron Jones. I'm with you on all four of those guys. Yep. I, yep. I like them all. Uh Tom Kesnek keeps beating the Aaron Jones drum, saying it's a mistake to let him go to the mid third. just there's just a lot of running backs. I think that's why.
1: Yeah, there's that. I mean, Derek Henry's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're hearing uh, the new OC in Tennessee saying, "Look, uh, we're going to ride him hard early and often. He's in a contract year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was an absolute behemoth down the stretch last season behind an offensive line that was top ten in run blocking efficiency. Yeah, I got the Marcus Mariota factor. We don't know what version is going to show up, but look, if they feed the beast. Derek Henry is going to be a monster and you're getting him consistently like RB 17, RB 18. I, I will, I've already said this before on uh, my podcast, a fantasy record, uh, check it out. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you download, listen to your podcast, uh, that this is the deepest second and third tier running back class, Jeff, that yeah. I can remember in like the last decade.
2: Yeah. So you don't be afraid to, just, don't be afraid to go receiver receiver to start if you want. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the takeaways. Uh, especially if you're at the back end of the first round.
1: That's where the value's at. Uh, yeah, and if you, if you want to chase a Travis Kelsey if you, or a George Kittle or a Zach or yeah, there are true. plenty of running backs, plenty yeah. of running backs to choose from.
2: Yep, that's right. That's absolutely right. A uh, couple other notes. Uh, we'll let you go here. A uh, lot, lot of other guys. I, 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 give me two fades, two guys that you're just not paying the sticker price for.
1: Well, obviously Todd Gurley and for all the reasons I mentioned before, you are, I mean, you need to be in a straight jacket if you're drafting him, you know, anywhere in round two, maybe in round three, if you want to roll the dice, be my guest, go for it. But Mm -hmm. I want nothing, nothing to do with Todd Gurley, Darius Geis, another player I'm starting very far away from. Uh, you know, he had complications from the ACL surgery, with all the infections. He had to have like five surgeries to clean that up. Now he had to overcompensate physically and his uh, recuperation. And he's dealing with a hamstring injury as a result of it. Yeah. Adrian Peterson may be the top guy or Chris Thompson, who we always forget about, but plays a significant role in Washington. Uh, those two guys uh, I think are going to have, you know, maybe more value than Darius guys this year, who I just cannot trust his services uh, overall. Uh, you know, you look at uh, some of the other positions that are out there. You know, quarterback, uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to duplicate what he did last year. As good as he is, 50 passing touchdowns. And there's somebody that's listening to his podcast right now and in, in their local league thinking, oh, I can't wait until I get Pat Mahomes. And, right, and they think they, you know, pulled wool over the eyes of everybody in their league. Right. Uh, don't pay for the career year, man. You know, in, in Caesars right now, you can bet. On the homes over, under passing touchdowns. You, you want to guess what that line is, Jeff?
2: Passing touchdowns. I'll say it's like 33
1: close 35 and a half. Okay. So you think about that, put it in perspective, right? He threw 50 touchdown passes last right. year. People are like, oh, you know, uh, minus one ninety. I don't care. I'll pay the juice. Uh, I'm taking the over all day <laughs> long on <laughs> that, you know, and twice on Sundays. Uh, it's a trap, man. Admiral Akbar is, you know, scream hey, Nice. So it's, you know, I, I'm just, I, I don't buy that Mahomes is going to be able to replicate the, you know, consecutive years as the king of the quarterback position, and you have to pay a premium for him now. So I think there was a lot of bust potential based on price point for Mahomes when you get an Andrew Luck like three, four, five rounds later. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, so you know, those are some names, some you know, big. Uh, players out there that I, I will not invest in uh, James Connor. I'm growing a little bit more skittish on same uh, but you know, again, everybody has a, a price and, and if they fall far enough or they go cheap enough at an auction I'm more than willing to invest. But uh, those are just a few that immediately come to mind.
2: All right. Very good. All right. We'll finish with a non-substantive question uh, asking all my guests in baseball and football pods this week. Uh, travel question. You know, I I like to know what people are traveling. It was inspired by uh, Tim Heaney coming back from his vacation. We're talking about the the states he's been to. I've been to 43 states with an asterisk. I, I think I've been to Mississippi, but I can't confirm it. Uh, but I'll, it's going to be moot next. <laughs> Do you want to? <laughs> well, I want to be to every state, but yeah, we, okay, we okay. went to a family vacation on the Tennessee Mississippi border. We visited a civil war battlefield. I swear. I saw a sign that we crossed the Mississippi state line. However, I cannot remember the name of the the place we stayed or the battlefield that we visited. So it doesn't really count, but I have a niece that attends Ole Miss. We're going to go to her graduation. So it'll be all good in the oh, spring. Cool. But, uh, I'd like to know where, how, where have it, where's everybody been? How many places, how many states have you been to, and where do you want to go to next?
1: I probably covered about half of the Union. Uh, I want to go to Alaska. Uh, That's a place that I want to check out. Sure. Uh, I mean, hell, it was like 90 degrees in Anchorage a couple of weeks ago. There may not be anything left of Alaska by the time I get there. Uh, But I I go to Hawaii every single year. Uh, It's my favorite place on Earth. Uh, If you have not made the trip uh, across the Pacific uh, to the Hawaiian Islands, formerly the Sandwich Islands, uh, do yourself a favor and, and make sure you, you make that journey. Um, What's your favorite island? Coming. Well, I haven't been to Kauai yet. That's where I'm going island. on Monday. <laughs> oh, I cannot oh, wait. Cannot. Yeah, wait. I'm very envious. The problem with Kauai, it's like the rainiest place on earth in December. So usually I try to go like over the holidays, uh, right after week 16 wraps. So it's not the greatest place to travel to, uh, but Maui, Lanai, um, you know, I've been to Oahu several times, uh, but I, you know, I need to check out a few more islands. So, you know, my family, I got to keep the kids busy too. So that's where you usually go to Oahu. Uh, yeah. and if you go to Hawaii, make sure you go to Waikiki beach, uh, I think it's the perfect place on Earth. It can be a little crowded at times, but the wave action is absolutely ideal. Duke's, which is in the Outrigger Hotel right behind it, best fish sandwich in the world. And and then if you go next door to the pink building, the pink hotel, the Royal Hawaiian, uh, it is a historic uh, landmark. That's where the original Mai Tai was uh. created. And you cannot find another Mai Tai like it anywhere on the planet. I will challenge anyone. It is perfect and true story, Jeff, last year, uh, the bears playoff game, you know, I'm a huge bears fan. Uh, my, my family and I were in Oahu and we had decided my wife had booked, you know, months in advance, this whale watching trip, never do a whale watching trip. Okay. Biggest waste of time in your entire life. So we were on this boat for like two hours. Thanks to my Yahoo sports app. I was able to stream the bears game, Um, you know, of course the, the missed field goal by Cody Parkey, uh, and you know, we, we get off and you know, the, the moments building up and, and, and Parkey's trotting on the field and we're driving to this hotel. And I told my son run in, I'm going to give the keys to the valet. It'll take care of it. And and tell me what's going on. And then I just got this sick, just sick feeling in my stomach. And I walk in and my 10 year old comes up and goes, daddy missed it. I'm like, I already knew. (laughs) And, and, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to drag this down on this day. I'm in paradise. So I walked down to the beach, cleanse my soul and the healing powers of Waikiki. And then had a Mai Tai or three at the Royal Hawaiian behind me and it was a good day so
2: it's there a you good go. day it's a good day outstanding very yeah. good hey Brad this was fun thank you so much for jumping on with us and uh, what's coming up next I know I saw the Seahawks preview is up on the site now on Yahoo what's what's the next thing you're working on
1: uh, I got a Arizona uh, preview on Friday uh, and then our preview uh, series wraps up next week with the LA Rams and San Francisco 49ers uh, of course fantasy football live is going to be back season 14 Jeff. Wow. We've been doing 14 years and I have a Cal Ripken streak. Knock on wood. I have not missed a single show over that uh, time period. And we are going on the road. I have caught wind of that. I will tell you the destination once everything is finalized for week one. Uh, It's going to be party central. So check that out. The fantasy football hour my nationally syndicated uh, television show, which is going to be available in about 110 million households. Uh, this season uh, across regional sports networks. We're going to be back August 22nd. So check your local listing for time and channel on that. Fantasy Record Podcast, I mentioned as well. Uh, and of course, follow me on Twitter at Yahoo Noise. Come harass me. I'm always uh, engaged with the trolls and feeding them steaks. They're delicious and they're wonderful little
2: people. <laughs> Excellent. Have a troll. As Liz likes to say, he has a troll skin suit that he wears and all that. You guys bring it out. <laughs> uh, but. Love it. Love it. Brad, Brad, awesome stuff. Great talking to you. Talk to you again soon. Muchas gracias, amigo. That's Brad Evans on the Rotowire wire Fantasy Fantasy Football Podcast. Tune in tomorrow as we have our latest pod. Thank you again for listening.
3: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better.